Well, friends, it's so good to be with you again after many, many months. In fact, after 18 months, I was a little bit curious to see how long it's been since I last spoke with you. Because as we think of 18 months at this stage of life, when you're into retirement years, things do change. For instance, I look into the mirror and hair that used to be brown is now white. And guess what? When I start pulling it apart, there's an awful lot of scalp under there. Look at other parts of my body too and realise, hang on, the ageing process is at work. And so as we think of this, we think of people out there in our society at the moment. The general attitude is death, ageing. Well, ageing happens, but death, you don't talk about it. It's still the great unknown, the fear one. People like to be in control of everything, but they know that they're not in control of that one. And so, of course, they try to push it right back and pretend that it's just not going to happen. Friends, for a believer, things are just so different. The Christian has a glorious future. Yes, we look ahead and things just get better and better. And so to prepare us for this, let's go into the word of God itself. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, from verse 16, then reading through, because it's continuous here, into chapter 5 and verse 10. 2 Corinthians 4 and 16. Therefore we do not lose heart, but though our outer person is decaying, yet our inner person is being renewed day by day. For momentary light affliction is producing for us an eternal weight of glory far beyond all comparison. While we look not at the things that are seen, but at things that are not seen. For the things that are seen are temporal, but the things that are not seen are eternal. For we know that if the earthly tent which is our house is torn down, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For indeed in this house we groan, longing to be clothed with our dwelling from heaven, inasmuch as we, having put it on, shall not be found naked. For indeed... While we are in this tent, we groan, being burdened, because we do not want to be unclothed, but to be clothed, in order that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. Now he who prepared us for this very purpose is God, who gave to us the Spirit as a pledge. Therefore, being always of good courage, And knowing that while we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord, for we walk by faith and not by sight. We are of good courage, I say, and prefer rather to be absent from the body and to be at home with the Lord. Therefore also we have as our ambition, whether at home or absent, 
to be pleasing to him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one of us may be recompensed for his deeds in the body, according to what he has done, whether good or bad. The Christian's glorious future. Of course, as we're facing the future, we do ask, what is happening to us now? And the word of God tells us what we already know. Though our outer person is decaying. It's interesting to note a little bit of uh, measurements here. It's generally accepted that a person is on the growing stage of their life from birth right through to about 25 years of age. That's the time when you're actually at the very peak of your health and your development and all of that. But after 25, which sounds pretty young for people in our age bracket, you're then on the slide, the downhill. Gradually, gradually, gradually as the time goes on. When you were 25, if you've got a photo of yourself then, that will be you at your absolute best, your pinnacle as far as human development is concerned. But as the word of God says, our physical bodies are gradually failing. This, of course, is a result of the fall. We go right back to Adam and Eve. When they rebelled against the Lord and went their own way, they introduced death. And, of course, death has its lead up to it in the decaying process. It's all a result of sin having come into the world. But notice what the Lord says. He says here, we don't lose heart, even though these things are happening to our bodies, and some of us would know it more than others with arthritis and different diseases that can hit us along the way. He says, though our outer person is decaying, this is the good part, yet our inner person is being renewed day by day. Yes, inwardly, things should be going in the opposite direction to how our bodies are going. Our bodies might be decaying, but inwardly, the opposite should be happening. Yes, it's the Holy Spirit who does it, and he makes us newer as the time goes on. Now, I think back over many years, I came to know the Lord Jesus as Saviour 65 years ago. The Lord's been so good. But I look back to that time when I, as a teenager, came to faith. I came from a totally non-Christian background, parents who were not one bit interested in Christian things whatsoever, and the Lord arrested me that night, and the Lord turned me around. As I think back, he worked a miracle. Every conversion, of course, is a miracle from the Lord. But I look at my life and I say, definitely, Lord, it was a miracle. Because the Lord turned me, I can say, upside down, actually right way up. This is what the Lord did. And I look back at that time and you think, well, Lord, you worked a miracle then, 65 years ago. 
what's happened between then and now. Because the Lord did a big thing then. Yes, the wonderful thing is he grows us in grace, he develops us in our Christian lives so that maybe our Christian lives are this, but the general direction is up if we're going in the Lord. We can expect the little waveries because it's still happening within a sinful body in a sinful environment. But the development should be upwards in its general trajectory. I trust that that's the case for you. There might be a couple of big glitches along the way, but if you're in the Lord, he will bring you out of them, he will grow you through them so that you're progressing in the spiritual life and becoming newer and newer. It's almost as if we might be old in our bodies and even you know, getting to that stage where getting around is quite difficult. But in our spiritual life, we should be getting almost younger and younger. Yes, the ageing pro, uh, process reversed as we're going on in the Lord. 2 Corinthians and chapter 3 gives a picture of how this happens. The very last verse. But we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed. Notice this is an ongoing process into the same image from glory to glory as from the Lord, the Spirit. He's the one who does it. Yes, our physical bodies are gradually failing, but the Spirit of God is renewing us constantly. Notice that does not mean that bad things don't happen. Verse 17. For momentary light affliction is producing for us an eternal weight of glory, far beyond all comparison. Notice how the apostle under the Lord describes these things that happen along the way. Momentary light affliction. Now a lot of people, even some people of faith would say, put the brakes on there, mate. Because you might be able to describe what you're going through as momentary and light. But what I'm going through could be quite different. What I'm going through has been long term. It's been drawn out over many months, even many years. And what I'm going through is not light. In fact, it's very, very heavy. It's very, very draining. It's hard to take the pain and the discomfort and all of that, which is part of my affliction. How can you call it momentary? How can you call it light? Well, you might think, well, Paul's saying these things just out of his experience, and his experience seemed to be a pretty easy one. Go over the same letter, 2 Corinthians, that's where we're uh, basically all the way here, to chapter 11 and verse 23. And see what Paul describes as momentary light affliction. He says, far more labours, far more imprisonments, beaten times without number, often in danger of death. Five times I received from the Jews 39 lashes. Three times I was beaten with rods. 
Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I've spent in the deep. I have been on frequent journeys, and journeys in those days were pretty difficult, in dangers from rivers, dangers from robbers, dangers from my countrymen, dangers from the Gentiles, dangers in the city, dangers in the wilderness, dangers on the sea, dangers amongst false brothers. I have been in labour and hardship through many sleepless nights, in hunger and thirst, often without food, in cold and exposure. And apart from these external things, there is the daily pressure upon me of concern for all the churches. That's what Paul describes as momentary light affliction. Now, how can he think that way? Yes, it's because of our destination, where we're headed. Because suddenly when you realise the time factor, momentary, that means they're just passing in a moment. Just a couple of weeks ago, I had to speak at a funeral at Dolby. A beautiful brother in the Lord Jesus Christ who went to be with the Lord 97 years of age. It was just wonderful to be there and to see him. Now, he had a long life. But compare that with eternity, 97 years is just this. Compare eternity, arms can't stretch because it's infinite. That's what momentary means. Whatever we're going through here now on this planet is so small a slither of our existence compared with what we've got in the future with the Lord. And light, well, again, compared with the glory, the weight of glory we're going to receive. Yes, these things are just small time compared with what is coming ahead. So how do we keep this balance? How could we keep it so that these things of now don't weigh us down so that we can truly see them as momentary and light? Verse 18 tells us, While we look not at the things that are seen, but at the things that are not seen. For the things that are seen are temporal, they are of time. But the things that are not seen are eternal. They're way beyond time. Yes, we keep these things in their right perspective as we keep our eyes on the Lord. We don't let our eyes wander down to material things, to physical things, to the things of this life and let them captivate our thinking. These things by their very nature, they're temporary because they're locked into time. After all, think of possessions. Possessions, by their very nature, deteriorate. You buy a new car, and in fact it's deteriorated in value as soon as you've driven it out of the showroom. And even a house that's got a little bit more time in it, after a few years, repairs and all of that have to be done because it's decaying. If these are the sort of things which become the things that fixate our brains, we're on the wrong wavelength. We must not keep our eyes on personal and material gains. 
They're temporary and they're decaying. What are the goals for a believer? Yes, the things that are not seen, the things that are spiritual, the things that are of the Lord God himself. Why? Because the things that are not seen are eternal. They last for eternity. In other words, forget time. Once you go into eternity, time's a non-entity. And so what's happening to us now? Our physical bodies are gradually failing. Spiritually, though, we should be being renewed all the time. We do that by keeping our eyes upon the Lord every step of the way. We do not lose heart because our hand is in the Lord's hand and we'll know that he will see us through and he will see us through way into the future beyond this life. And that's where Paul, under the Holy Spirit, continues. Up to verse 18, it's the now life. From chapter 5, verse 1, it's further down the road. For we know that if the earthly tent, which is our house, is torn down, we'll just stop there for a moment, what happens when we physically die? Our physical body collapses and decays. And notice how the Lord describes it here. We know that if the earthly tent, notice the description the Lord makes for this body we're living in at this very moment. It's not actually a house at all. It's a tent. The very nature of a tent is that it's a temporary dwelling. You know, you look forward if you're living in a tent now of having a more permanent house in the future. And this is what our current dwelling is. Something which is temporary, something which will not last. Now, we're living really in quite a a tragic age in Australia right now. I mentioned we were out of Dolby just a couple of weeks ago for this funeral of this dear brother. We were staying with farming friends out on the Mooney Road, just a few k's out of town, and we drove into Dolby for the service. Just as we were coming into town there on the Mooney Road, if you know that road in Dolby, we glanced over into the bush, and over there was a tent. It was a tent of somebody who is based in Dolby, And that's where he's living. Now, we lived in Dolby, we ministered in Dolby for six years and we never, never saw that once out there in that town. But here is someone apparently living permanently in a tent because there's no accommodation in the town. Accommodation's as hard out there as it is here in the city. If you want to see something more tragic than that, Go for a walk at Southbank and you'll see people there who are living permanently, temporarily because there's no accommodation. I do shake my head and think, how could Australia, a rich nation that we are, have that happen? It has happened. I think we're seeing, again, the departure from the things of the Lord 
which with that brings the rich getting richer. That's certainly happening, that small group, but the poor people really struggling. And I know the prophets in the Old Testament would have a lot to say about that. But our physical bodies are like a tent. But then it continues on. For we know that if the earthly tent, which is our house, is torn down, here it is. We have a building, and that's a different word, from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. Our physical body will collapse and decay. And we know that. It goes to the cemetery or wherever. But we will be given a permanent abode, a permanent abode which will last for eternity, which will not decay. And notice the way in which the Lord puts it. We have a building from God. God is the master builder of this building. A house not made with hands. He's the one who's making it. Eternal in the heavens. In other words, in the very best location. Just think of it that way. A permanent abode constructed by the master builder in the very best location. This is building language coming through here from uh, the Lord through the Apostle Paul. And that's what we've got for the future. And on the basis of this, the best is yet to come. Verse 2. For indeed in this house we groan, longing to be clothed with our dwelling from heaven. Yes, knowing that that is to come. And friends, that's so glorious. Particularly as we think again back to Paul's first letter to the uh, Corinthians. There in chapter 2, as it is written in verse 9, things which eye has not seen, ear has not heard, and which have not entered into the heart of man, all these has God prepared for those who love him. Friends, the best is yet to come. But the contrast here is with the lost person. Notice verses 3 and 4. Inasmuch as we, having put it on, shall not be found naked. Because the point is, the person who doesn't know Christ as Lord and Saviour at that time will be found naked. They will be stripped of all. For indeed, while we are in this tent, we groan, being burdened, because we do not want to be unclothed, because that's the state of the unsaved person, but to be clothed, because we know the most wonderful clothing of all is the righteousness of the Lord Jesus, in order that what is mortal may be swallowed up in life. So what is the scripture here inferring? For the lost person, they are stripped naked, perishing, and that perishing goes on for eternity. They are homeless and they are destitute. Friends, some of the horrible pictures that come through in the word of God concerning the fate of a lost person. Yes, what hell is like. Don't just paint hell as one picture, but all these different horrible pictures 
portray what is the state of someone who doesn't know the Saviour. In absolute stark contrast to someone who does know the Saviour, who's got this glorious future ahead with the Lord in eternity. It's going to be so, so wonderful with a brand new body. But what guarantees this for the believer? Well, 2 Corinthians 5 from verse 5 takes us on to this. Now, he who prepared us for this very purpose is God. God is the one who's done it. Every step of the way, it's been of the Lord. Think of that. You go back as far as you can. Way before the creation, God was preparing this. They're in his councils of the Trinity, preparing this for the creation he was going to make. He knew the fall was happening. And, of course, prepared for that as well through the Son. The Son who would come to this earth, who would live a perfect life, who would die on Calvary, who would rise again from the dead, defeating sin and Satan for all time. Yes, it was through the Lord Jesus that this could all be enabled. He was the one who would carry the penalty for our sin, that penalty that takes us into hell. He's the one who bore it on Calvary for us. The Father did the planning. The Son did the enabling, the enacting of it. Then the Holy Spirit's the one who does the application. He's the one who shows us the Lord Jesus Christ dying on the cross and rising from the dead. The Holy Spirit is the one who then shows us ourselves. We don't realise how sinful we are until we see the perfection and the love, the beauty of the Lord Jesus dying in our place. Then the Spirit of God is able to work in our lives and bring us to a place of genuine repentance where we say, Lord Jesus, forgive me of my sin. Lord Jesus, I claim you as my Lord and Saviour. The Spirit of God ushers us through all of this. And of course, then what happens? As he does the work of regeneration, the work of transformation, he indwells us. He comes into our lives. And of course, that's what verse 5 is speaking about. He who prepared us for this very purpose is God, and you take that back as far as you like, who gave us the Spirit as a pledge. The Spirit of God came into our lives and indwells us. And notice the terminology. A life in the Spirit is so wonderful. As we think back over the years that we've known the Lord Jesus as our Saviour, and the Spirit of God has been there to guide us through, to direct us, to be our constant companion, making the Lord Jesus very, very real to us. That's what he does. And the Christian life is just so magnificent. But notice what the word of God says. It's a pledge. It's a down payment. His coming into our lives is just a down payment, a deposit on what's going to happen in the future. 
In other words, we think of the glory of the Christian life right now, which is just so wonderful, but that's the deposit. The full thing is coming in the future. And that's with the Lord in glory. Friends, whatever you're experiencing in the Lord right now, and I trust it's absolutely wonderful, is small change compared with what you're going to be experiencing with the Lord in glory in heaven. It's going to be just so wonderful. Yes, the Holy Spirit within guarantees that we are included. He is the down payment, the deposit, that guarantees the fullness in the future. And because of this, because of the Holy Spirit's indwelling, we know that our permanent residency is with the Lord. Verse 6. Therefore, always being of good courage, and this gives us courage just to hang on to him and know that he will see us through. And knowing that while we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord, we are of good courage, I say, and prefer rather to be absent from the body and to be at home with the Lord. Yes, it's going to be so, so wonderful knowing our permanent residency is yet to come and it will be with him. But notice I just left out verse 7 because it makes the contrast between now and the future. For we walk by faith, that's the now experience, not by sight, but sight will be the future experience when we are with him. But faith is wonderful because through faith we can hang on to him every step of the way. And that's why Paul's able to say twice here, verses 6 and 8, we are of good courage because we know that he's the one who's going to see us through. But notice also, knowing our glorious future gives us an incentive to live for the Lord in the present. We go on to verse 9. Therefore also we have as our ambition, whether at home or absent, to be pleasing to him. Whether we're here or whether we're with the Lord, we want the situation to be the same. Yes, knowing what our future is gives us an incentive to live for him right now. You might think, well, how does that work? Think of what it's going to be like in the future when you're with the Lord in glory, participating there in the presence of the Lord, seeing the face of the Lord Jesus Christ, and he will be just the captivating thing of heaven. It'll be the Lord Jesus that you'll be setting all your attention on. Of course, there'll be old family members, there'll be old friends, and that's going to be wonderful, that great reunion with the Lord. But that will be the small-time thing. The big thing will be the Saviour. He will be the one who will just take your attention. You will fix your gaze, not on old friends, but on him, the Lord Jesus. That's going to be our future state. Friends, what's the best way to prepare for that right now, knowing that that's going to be the future? What's the best way of being prepared right now? To be living now as if we were there. 
to be living now for the Lord in the way that we know we will be living for the Lord in glory. Now at the moment, we've got the problems, sinful body, sinful environment, all the bad stuff around us which holds us back. Then it's going to be absolutely perfection, glorious. But that doesn't mean to say that we should treat the Christian life here lightly. We should be living it now in such a way that it's a glorious preparation for the future. Paul uses the term in Ephesians, living in heavenly places in Christ. And friends, he's not talking about the future, he's talking about now. In other words, our spiritual life at this very moment should be living in heavenly places. In other words, living here on earth as if we were already with the Lord. Then it'll be sight, but now it's faith. But our spiritual state should be identical. An incentive to live for the Lord at the moment is that we know where we're going and our life now should be reflecting that as much as is possible. You notice Paul also gives, now that's a positive incentment. He also gives a negative incentment as well in verse 10. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one of us may be recompensed for his deeds in the body, according to what he has done, whether good or bad. Yes, we will all be accountable at the judgment seat of Christ. And notice Paul here is speaking to believers. He's not speaking to unsaved people. He's speaking to believers. And friends, that means you and me. We are the ones who will appear at the judgment seat of Christ. And there we will be answering before the Lord for how we've used what he's given us how we've lived our Christian lives. And so we've got to ask, is our motive at this very moment to live in such a way that we glorify him? The positive incentive, because we want our life now to reflect what that life in glory is going to be like. The negative one, because we will have to answer for it if we don't the judgment seat of Christ. But friends, what a glorious future. We've got so much ahead. We as believers, well, excitement can fill our hearts even as we get to this stage of life where we're not moving as fast as we used to, our brains are slowing down, oh, I know mine definitely is. But at the same time, knowing the best is yet to come, heaven is going to be so wonderful Not so much because of the location, because of the one who is in the centre, the Lord Jesus Christ. The one who will captivate our attention then forever. In the same way as I trust, he has captivated your life right now. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the wonderful fact that even though all of us are getting older, we do not lose heart when we are trusting the Lord Jesus Christ and we're walking in him. 
Thank you so much, Heavenly Father, that we are truly of good courage. Lord, knowing our future gives us strength to be able to live for you right now. And Lord, we pray that our lives, even as senior people, Lord, for those at the older end of the spectrum, and younger people, Lord, for those at the other end, that our lives would be reflecting the Lord Jesus Christ in all that we do. That our speech, our thinking, our behaviour, every part of us would be reflecting him so that when people see us, they will see a model of the Lord Jesus, a poor model, but still a model of the Lord Jesus being portrayed to them. O Lord, Thank you for the glorious future you have given to every believer. Lord, may we be living in the light of it right now. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.